0: The last of the series on communion, Um, it's been a good series. I enjoyed that a lot. I know you have had a lot of good comments about that. I want to remind you that next Sunday is Palm Sunday. It's almost incredible to say that, but it's Palm Sunday. We will take communion next Sunday as a church, uh, and uh, so be here for that, be a part of that. And then the following Sunday after that's Easter, um, and we'll have two services, 9 a.m., And 1030, so you can just pick whichever one you want, and we'll be here, same service each time, and uh, we look forward to that. So make sure, if you've got new people in your neighborhood, uh, people around you that you've been wanting to ask and bring to church, uh, Easter Sunday is a beautiful time to do that, and we'll be delighted to have them. So, uh, Holy Communion, today I want to talk about the benefits of Holy Communion. Uh, There are benefits in the communion, and we're going to talk about those today. I want everything that God has for me, my family, and my church on this side of the cross and on this side of the resurrection or the empty tomb. Don't you? I mean, you may say, that's just a very selfish statement, Pastor. Well, I have permission The Father wants me to have everything on this side of the cross in the empty tomb. He's a good, good Father. He loves to bless His children. He says all good gifts come down from heaven above. He wants to bless us. The Word tells us to taste and see that the Lord is good. I mean, it's an absolute abomination to a holy cow to eat half a ribeye amen I mean that's just wrong you go to salt grass get your patch ribeye big old 24 ouncer and eat half of it come on man you got to find room in your big toe or something a couple more bites that's an insult to a great steak you got to eat it all Jesus died for everything all things on that cross He didn't die half, a quarter, quarter, three-quarter, five-sixteenths. I mean, he gave everything, and on the other side, he made everything for us. He just says, taste and see that I am good. Just taste and see, because I have so much for you, my kids. I love you. Crazy about you. We see in the word in Genesis 3, beautiful time. God creates the world. It makes everything, Adam and Eve come in, it's the Garden of Eden, it's gorgeous, wonderful, beautiful, got a tree in the middle, got some apples hanging off of it, and oh, Lord help, it broke down after that. Right? And, and I'm not going into the, she made him, and he just stood there doing nothing like a dead toad on a log and all that, I'm not pointing fingers, because that might start something later, mess up some naps, but I'm just telling you, it, it was beautiful, and then you see in Genesis chapter 3, there's consequences. After eating the apple, there's a consequence to sin. And, and the consequences were both spiritual, physical, mental, and emotional. You see the breakdown of every bit of that. But here's the good news Christ came and died for all of that. He came and died for all of that, to restore that. Yes, sin entered the picture. That's when sin entered the picture right there. Disease, sickness, it all entered right there. Shame, guilt, it all entered right there. Remember, they didn't know what they looked like until after that. And then they made, they got fig leaves and they covered themselves and they hid from God. We still do that today. We hide our sins from God. And all he wants to do is set us free. All he wants to do is redeem us. That's who he is. All he wants to do is reconcile himself to his man. And we hide. It all broke down. But he died for all of it. To what? To restore it. That's what he did. I want you to go to your Bible. Scriptures we've been looking at in Isaiah. Remember John's Gospel in John 10. Jesus said, the, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give them life, life more abundant. Man, does that sound like a God that wants you to eat half a ribeye? Mm-mm. He says, I want you to eat it all, all of it. But look at Isaiah. This is what Christ came and died for. We had all that junk entered in Genesis 3. But here's what Jesus did. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 tell us what Jesus did. Surely he bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him and stricken him, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by Him. His stripes, we are healed. By His stripes, we are healed. Grief. What is grief? If you break the word down, it's sickness. It's illnesses, It's disease. What is sorrow? It's pain. It's pain. It's both physical pain, mental pain. Wounded for our transgressions. That's just sin. We rebelled. That we all have. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us to make us whole. Bruised for our iniquities, the guilt, the guilt, set free of guilt. Don't have to look down anymore, you can look up at a king that loves you. Chastisement of our peace, that's a beautiful word. Peace means completeness and soundness. And yes, by his stripes, We are healed. We are healed. What's it mean? It means what it says. We are healed. We're healed. Now listen to me. We do not at any time use the Holy Communion as a magic trick, as a tool, as a works, or as a mandate get something from God. No way. That'd be absolutely wrong. We don't take communion and by taking communion expect that we get something from God because we did that. It's not what I'm saying. It's not what I've taught this whole series. We don't do those kind of things. That's not right. You could say that and expect that from about every aspect of our relationship with God. Let's look at worship. I worship I lift my hands. He recognizes me and blesses me more. Jesus said, you come with me your lips, but your heart far from me. See, if, if, if outer appearance ever gave evidence of godliness, we'd all be in trouble. God looks at our heart. He says, I don't look at the outward appearance of man. Yeah, eventually in worship, the inward love of the king will be expressed on the outward posture of the believer. There is a truth there. But folks, I, I, I've sit in some incredible worship services, and right in front of me had people lift their hands and jumping up and down about to come out of their shoes in worship. A man stands up and opens the Word of God. They sit down and go on Facebook. I'm like, pff, pff, pff. that's why they don't want to come to church. Come, how in the world? Man. It's not a woo-smoke experience with the king. There must be that experience of worship, but there must be that depth of the word. When you combine the two of them, dude, that's a lean, mean, fighting machine for the king. And that's a lean, mean, fighting church for the king. Listen, you could say all this other stuff about a lot of stuff. You could say about prayer. You pray, you pray, you pray, you pray, you pray. The more you pray, the more you pray, the better odds you have of being healed, set free, all this other stuff. Listen to me, I know people that have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and the outcome didn't change. Listen, man, ain't no mount up your pennies and stack up this and all that. No, no, no. You could say it about attendance. But we go to church, we worship on a daily basis. Our neighbors don't worship at all. They don't even go to church. They're at home mowing and they seem more blessed than we are. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. That's nothing but frustration. Serving. I serve. Why aren't we blessed? They don't serve. They're blessed. I tithe. If I tithe, I should get some from God. I give, so why do he give? I give all this, and I'm still a mess. Do yourself a favor and stop giving until your heart's right. Because as long as that heart generates that tithe, God's not going to bless that tithe. When you can let it go because it's his to start with, and understand that He's blessed you beyond measure, and you're not asking for an equal return, or you're not grading God on your tithe. You'll be set free in tithing, and He'll bless you beyond measure. What about behavior? I've heard parents say, "I can't believe they get this." You seen the way their kids act? Our kids are angels. Ew. I just don't want to be near that, okay? There's a lightning bolt that could come out any time, right? Listen to me. Don't do the comparison of your children, comparison of the children, and say what family should be blessed. That is not how God operates. I've seen really, really, really incredible kids come from really bad homes, and I've seen really incredible kids, um, bad kids come from really good homes. man. I mean, we could say there's a dog and pony show and a lot of stuff in religion, but that's not what it's about. Let's look at the benefits of the Holy Communion. They're beautiful. Holy Communion, taking communion. Number one, when we take communion, we are ushered in to the presence of God. Like no other, nothing else. Listen to me. I've said many times, I want today for my church family to take communion. And imagine that you're in the upper room, and Jesus himself is handing you the bread and the cup. I don't want you to think about your spouse, the person in front of you. I don't want you to think about anything else. I want you to imagine it's just you and Jesus. My friend, listen to me. When you're ushered in to the presence of God, you are rich. There's no greater place, there's no greater place to be than in the presence of God. And if communion does nothing else for us, if it doesn't do anything else, what it does do, it ushers us into the most incredible, intimate presence of God you'll ever get. And my friends, I'm going to tell you something. On the other side of the presence of God, you are always richer. And here's one thing you cannot be. After you've been in the presence of God, you can never be the same again. Never. There's nobody in Scripture that was in the presence of God and were the same when they left. None. None. When you're in the presence of God in Holy Communion, my friend, you're a different dude going out. You're different. That's an enormous benefit. Number two, the in- intimacy with the father that that there is a there is a presence about god and then it's like he takes you into a different level just like one more level to an intimacy with the father like you would never get anywhere else yes worship can bring you into that but the holy communion like takes you to the just in a whole different layer of the holy of holies you're ushered in to the in- intimacy of the Father. Do you know what it's like to be intimate with the Father? If you're taking that bread and taking that cup, and He says, remember, evaluate yourself. Examine yourself. Do you have aught with anybody? Do this in remembrance of me. Remember what the bread is. Remember what the juice is. My friend, listen to me. When you're in the presence of God and He's that intimate with you, you can't help but think about what you have. And you king. That's why, my friends, many, many times when you take communion as a church, there's, there's men and women saved. There are. Because, man, I'm telling you, when you go into communion, you go in just like you were born, naked as a jaybird. See, your title doesn't come in with you. Your, your bank account doesn't come in with you. Your muscles don't come in with you. All that stuff, your looks, all that stuff, your vehicle, your house, all your title, none of that stuff comes in. That stuff doesn't come into communion. The presence of God is there. The intimacy with the Father comes in. You come in that intimacy with the Father just like he made you. I don't come in Jeff or Pastor Jeff. You know what I come in? Jeffrey. I come in just naked old me. Just like Cinda called me, I come in just like that. I don't come in, Pastor. I come in, Jeffrey. And he's able to speak into me, man. There's times in my life, in my 40s, in communion, I heard him speak in the areas of my life that I remembered when I was 7 or 8. I take that bread. He said, remember, by this, you are healed. You know what comes to my mind more than anything about that? That little old boy in the second grade that couldn't speak. A little boy that stuttered. People made fun of him. I didn't think I was even purposed on this world. And all through elementary, man, I couldn't wait for 330. The best thing in that day was a school bell that rang. Because that meant all the people that made fun of me got to go home. And I got to go home and cry and wonder if I was ever gonna amount to anything. Wonder if God had a plan for my life. Wonder if he'd made a mistake when I gave my life to Christ as a 10-year-old boy, I realized that it didn't matter if I stuttered that little prayer as long as I prayed it with my heart. And later in, in college when he called me to do ministry and he said, you're going to stand up and you're going proclaim to my, proclaim my truth. And he, I'm going to put you in front of a whole bunch of people. And remember, as long as you die, I'll be magnified. And I said, man, whatever you want. And I, I, that's what I feel. Man, every time I take communion, I think about that bread. And I think about what he did for me because he healed this boy. He put, he put words in me that I couldn't put in myself. Let me tell you the intimacy of the Father will take you back to places you didn't even know. But he does a healing every time he takes you into the presence and in the intimacy with the Father. Third thing it does, it's a surrender to his will. When you take communion, my friend, and you take the bread and you take the juice, it's a surrender. Of his will. Not my will father. But your will. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. Had a loud dialogue with God. Guys is there any other way? This cup can pass from me? No. Then fine. Not my will. But thy will be done. Listen man. I've, I've taken communion. When I haven't had. A very good season. And it's funny how I go into communion. And I got all these things I want answers about. And I, I want God to do. And I go into that presence of God. And I go into intimacy with the Father. And all of a sudden, out of my mouth, and I didn't want to say it. It's like, God, I, I surrender to your will. There's a way that seems right in man. But in the end, leads to destruction. But my God knows better. He's got a road for me. He's got a purpose for me. He's got a plan for me. You're ushered in. And you surrender to his will because you realize what he did for you in remembrance of me, in remembrance of me. And the last thing is this, a vulnerability of heart and spirit. When you get vulnerable before God, things change. See, with the beauty of this church and beauty of what God has done here is, when you walk into this place, it doesn't smell like church and it doesn't feel like church it just feels like worship. It just feels like the presence of God. And I hear it all the time from people that say, man, I just love the spirit in this place. Well, the spirit in this place is made up by the spirits in this place. And then ultimately God's presence and his spirit in this place. And people walk into this place and they, they, they don't have, their little guards that they have up at some churches just begin to drift away. And they just walk in vulnerable, And they say, God, it's a sweet place. God, this is a safe place. When you get in a place that is safe and vulnerable, God does credible work. As long as you have guards up, even in communion, he can't. He can't break through. But you come in there, man, and you just get, as I said earlier, you just get naked and vulnerable before God. And God absolutely ushers in a fresh breath of air that reaches your soul, reaches your heart reaches your spirit, and it changes you from the inside out. And when you come out of there, you're not the same. You don't even have a choice of being the same. I said many times that Melissa and I, in this journey of basically nine months now, that we've taken communion together a ton as a couple. It's one of the things that we wanted to do. When we we got the news of all the stuff that was happening in our lives, that was happening in Melissa, We just absolutely said, God, we're going to call on everything we can this side of heaven. And so immediately when the news hit, we got elders together. Why? The Bible tells you that. Secondly, we called on a great church. We said, guys, we want you to partner with us and, and, and soldier up and fight for us. And you guys have done that. We, we've just filled our places and homes and everything with worship. Man, we've, com- we've just basically created church all the time. And one of the things that we also did was we began to take communion together. Melissa and I, up to that point in August, had never taken communion at home. Never. And we began to incorporate that into our lives. Now listen to me. As I said earlier, we did not begin taking communion at home as some type of dog and pony show to get something out of God that was not what we did we knew that we wanted to be in that place of intimacy with the father he said you have not because you ask not he says draw near to me and I will draw near to you that's all we wanted to do and that's all we did and so we began to take communion together and here's what I tell people all the time I said when you were taking communion did you ask for healing you bet we did we asked that the effects of chemo would not be great on Melissa's body okay and we got that but here's the greatest thing about taking communion together with my wife Melissa said it best she said Jeff it's like being back in the garden of eden all over again it was sweet it was precious it was it was just it was overwhelmingly pure and beautiful. It did more for us as a couple than anything in the whole wide world. Anything. They said, well, what, what if you didn't get the outcome that you got? Didn't matter. We were rich anyway. It, and listen to me. If, it, if we'd have gotten a total opposite outcome than what we've gotten today, I wouldn't change a thing. I'd keep doing it. And we'll do it for the rest of our lives together. Why? Because it did more than anything we could ever think or imagine. I know the words that we spoke, but it did more than that. It, it jailed us as a couple like nothing else. It galvanized us like nothing else. It made intimacy with us like nothing else. It opened us up to vulnerable spots in each of our lives. We, we, were, we were absolutely open to each other. We were taking communion as a husband and wife, crying out to God. And I'm gonna tell you right now, There's no time in my life that I've ever read the book of Psalms and heard all the cries of David and understood what he said. But I do today. Because when all you've got is Jesus, all you can do is cry. And all we did was just reach out and cry out to God and say, God, we believe, we believe, we believe, we believe, and we receive. And we believe that by his stripes we are healed. And my friend, I'm going to tell you something. It was the most beautiful time we've ever spent. If you were to call me today and say, Jeff, here's the deal. We've got stuff in our family, in our marriage, and we just want you and Melissa to come over, and we want to take communion in our home. And I promise you, I'd come in a heartbeat. I'd come in a heartbeat. And you say, well, if you just came over and did communion, everything would just magically be well? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm going to tell you this right now. If you're ushered into the presence of God like that, and you invite His presence into that home, and you ask God to heal that marriage and heal that home, God, God's in on that kind of stuff. That's His nature. That's His nature. James 4 says this, and I read it earlier it says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Submit yourself to God, and the devil will flee. He will flee. He is, he is the Alpha and Omega. He is the great I Am. He is a good, good Father. He cannot deny who he is. He cannot change who he is. He is the great I Am 24-7. He, and you can't, you can't expect him to change. So if I know he doesn't change, and I know he's a limitless God, Man, why would I not want to invite all that God is into my communion experience? And that's what we did. And I'm asking you as a church, you as a couple, you as individuals, when you go into communion from this day forward for the rest of your lives, I want you to open up all the benefits of communion. You enter into his presence. You enter into that intimacy with him. You surrender to his will. And my friend, more than anything, you just lay yourself before him. And you said, God, whatever you want to do in me. I heard a guy one time say, Don't chase the healing of God, chase the presence of God. Chase God himself. Listen, we did not incorporate communion into our home and into our marriage for anything other than the presence of God. We knew. We know who he is. We know his nature is to heal. But that's not a guarantee. Okay? It's not. Man, we we could have done everything that we do and not gotten an, any different outcome. It could have still been bad. Okay? God blessed us. Okay? What I'm saying is communion opens up avenues that we have not even jumped on. And so when you take communion. And when you go into communion, take communion as a couple. Take it as a family. Take it with your children. Take it with, with, man, I know guys that do it at work with coworkers, Do it as a church. When you go in, take all that you can out of communion. It's the presence of God. You'll never be disappointed. You will never be, I mean, you will never leave feeling like you got ripped off. You won't. You take it, everything you got, you take it in there. Because God is about restoring and reclaiming all that was broken. I'm going to tell you, man, divine health, divine wholeness, divine healing. He wants what for us? He wants emotional health and wholeness. He wants mental health and wholeness. He wants physical health and wholeness. And he wants spiritual health health and wholeness he made us body soul and mind he made all of that and he wants us whole wants us whole now listen to me it's totally and absolutely up to God what God does and we don't do anything to try to change God's mind but we do do what he commands us to do and he says you have not because you ask not I would hate to stand before God and God said, you know what, man? I wanted to do that, but you never ask. I didn't know that. What do you mean you didn't know that? I said ask. So listen to me. On this side of the cross, I want everything God has for me. And I'm going to honor God's word, and I'm going to cry out to him. And I'm going to say, God, I need this. I want this. And if I get it, praise the God. And if I don't get it, praise God. Because Melissa and I walked into that season and we said, Jeff, here's the deal. Before we take it the first time, we're going to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because I know who my God is. And I know what my God can do. And I know my God can. But even if my God chooses not to, I will not, we will not as a couple bow our knee to cancer or a tumor. We will continue to sing for our King. And that's how we went into it. And that's how I want all my families to go into it. God, I know you can heal my marriage. I know you can heal my family. I know you can. And I'm going to cry out to you and I'm going to ask you to do it. And even if it doesn't, we're going to sing. I'm going to sing to my king. Communion is a beautiful thing. It's an opportunity for each of us to experience all the benefits God has. Has for us. I want you to go to Psalm. Go in your Bible to Psalm chapter. I mean Psalm 103. I'm going to just read this over you. And then we're going to close. Psalm 103. Verse 1. Bless the Lord. All my soul. And all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Name them, those five, who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Forget not all his benefits. Let me tell you, one of the greatest tools the enemy has for us is short-term memory loss. I'm telling you right now, he wants you to forget all that he has for you. I want you to claim all he has for you. You say, well, you want him to name and claim it, pastors? Hmm, let me think about that for a second. Yes, I am. Because I'm gonna name his promises and I'm gonna claim his promises. And if that makes me a name and claim it, then put the title on me and I'll bear it proudly because I'm a king's kid, and he says, forget not all my benefits. And man, far be it for me to forget all his benefits. Far be it for me. And so communion ushers me into an opportunity. To be a part of all his benefits in my life. And on this side of heaven, I want everything he's got for me. I want everything he's got for my family. And most importantly, I want everything he's got for this sweet church. So, my friends, listen to me. Communion is our opportunity to be ushered into the presence of God. He said, Do this, do this in remembrance of me by his stripes. Oh, man, we are healed. We're healed. Made healthy and made whole. All right. Take advantage of all that God has for you in communion. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And we thank you. God, I pray that we not forget all the benefits. God, you're a good, good father. You're the great I am. You're a wonderful God. God, I thank you. For the beautiful, 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 beautiful experience that we have in communion. God, we do this in remembrance of you. That you bore on that cross all for us. Everything. To give us health and wholeness and healing. For everything. Father, eternal life for everything, God, that you gave us. To restore us and reconcile us to you. God, I thank you for this beautiful church that I love. And God, I pray that we experience all that you have for us. God, I pray that even as we we sit here just a second, God, we stand. God, I pray that we cry out and say, God, I want everything you have for me this side of the cross. Everything. And God, we'd pursue that. We'd run for that. We'd hunger for that. God, I thank you for this invitation time. Father, if there's anybody in the sound of my voice... That has never, never, ever been born again. I pray, Father, they come this morning. And they experience eternal life. Father, I pray for the person or persons, God, that just need to come and, and ask for prayer. And God say, just pray over me. Pray over this. Pray over this for us, for my family. God, they'd come this morning. God, maybe individually, we just need to come. And at the altar, just say, God, I want everything you have for me. God, whatever you want to do, I pray you move us. And God, as we stand, may we be obedient to you. We love you and we thank you. In Christ's name, amen. I'm going to stay in church. You come this morning if you need to come.